0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest, now on Spotify, so listen on Spotify. I'm Stephanie Sloan, editorial director, here with Mara Levinsky, senior editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, there's more casting news out of Days of Our Lives. Stacey Heideck is wrapping up her run as Kristen, which isn't so surprising in light of the fact that Kristen stabbed Victor, uh-huh. but it's unexpected in that she seems to get away with everything. Um, before that happens, however, she will get her baby back from Sarah and then take Rachel on the run with her, which means Brady will be separated from yet another uh-huh. child. And if you are a Sin fan, this is definitely a must-see week. Then we'll propose to Ciara.
0: Yeah, congratulations on that, Sin fans. Um, and they are not the only couple making a big leap of faith on the marital front this coming week uh, on GH in the wake of Chase and Sasha's ploy to push Michael and Willow into marriage. We will see that duo say, I do, in order to strengthen Michael's bid for custody of Wiley. So we're not exactly talking about like the romance of the century here, but there will definitely be uh, like big dramatic ripples stemming from that.
1: Oh, indeed. You know, another thing that we're reporting in our new issue that I know you and I are both very excited about is that Selling Sunset, the LA real estate reality show that stars Chrishell Staus of Days of Our Lives and All My Children fame, is coming back to Netflix for season two on May 22nd. Woohoo! Yeah, that is definitely something to look forward to binging while we're all at home. And speaking of being at home, we have a section in the new issue that I think is fun in spite of the heaviness sort of pervading our lives these days. Uh, We spoke to eight actors to see how they're faring during the quarantine. And, you know, like we asked everything from the best thing they've cooked to the app they've downloaded to who they're most excited to hug when they're no longer sheltering in place. And I thought it came out really well and it was such a good read. Yeah, I really loved reading that section too. And we, you know, we asked the actors to
0: send in selfies illustrating how they're spending their time at home. And from a stars, they're just like us perspective. I huh. was totally charmed to see like Joshua Morrow, who plays YNR as Nick, doing his laundry and uh, oh, yeah. James Patrick Stewart, who's Valentin on GH, like off to the grocery store in his mask.
1: Oh, me too. I really, it, it, they, they just really did a good job with it. Yeah, Totally. So today we are talking to Wes Ramsey, who plays G.H.'s Peter and has also appeared on other soaps that we will talk about. But, you know, he is in a relationship with his General Hospital co-star, Laura Wright, and the two of them share photos and posts about each other online. And we've really gotten to see their romance develop in a way that, you know, we really couldn't have like 10 years ago or, you know, much more than that. But I have to say, as a TV viewer, I love a real-life couple. Especially when they are co-stars as well, uh, Laura and Wes really aren't because they don't really work together. Together, but I can remember being so excited as a kid to find out that Another World's Mary Page Keller and Thomasine Griffith, who played Sally and Catlin, were a real life duo and are and still are, as far as I know. There's just something about the on and off camera worlds colliding that I was always intrigued by.
0: I totally agree. Like I remember being so into um, Mallet and Harley on Guiding Light. And uh-huh. when their portrayers, Bob Ellers and Mark Derwin became a real life couple, like it almost made you feel like confirmation that the chemistry you saw on screen was the real deal. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm, um,
0: totally. And I I remember being like a huge fan of Cassie DePaiva, who was then Cassie Wesley when she was on Guiding Light as Chelsea. And at the same time, I was totally into One Life to Live and James DePaiva, who played Max. And as I may have Discussed on the podcast before. I was pretty much a psycho Max and Gabrielle fan, and I made this like ridiculous scrapbook of them. And I always like to embarrass myself by bring that up to Jim when I see him. Um, but anyway, when Jim and Cassie got together and, and they've been married since 1996, that like blew my mind. And then you've got couples like Kelly Rippa and Mark Consuelos, who've also been married since 1996 and met when Mark was hired to play Kelly's love interest on All My Children. You know, I will say that there is a potential downside to being paired up and so closely associated on screen with your real-life partner. And I'm thinking about Eva LaRue and the late John Callahan, who played Edmund and Maria. When they split in real life, John ended up being fired from the show a few months later. And I remember interviewing him in his dressing room and him speaking really candidly and really astutely about how being so associated with Eva and the overlap between their on and off-camera love stories was like ultimately probably not the best thing for his All My Children career.
1: Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. And it's funny because I distinctly remember being in the home of a New York soap actress back in the day for a photo shoot. And she was saying that there were so many real life couples on her show. And she was worried because she felt a lot of the actors were falling in love because their characters were, and they were really like buying into the dialogue in a real life way. I mean, certainly even now you and I hear of stories of couples who get together and then it's like super awkward on set when they break up. But then there are so many success stories across the board and really who better to understand what an actor deals with every day than another actor who does the same job. I mean, the commonality has to be a key factor there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but that actress, I think was
0: making a really good point. Um, You know, Tristan Rogers and Emma Sams were a real life couple at the height of their popularity as like super couple Robert and Holly on GH. But they broke up when she left the show, and he said it's because they realized that the show, like, was what they had in common. But we've seen a lot of actors who have broken up in real life continue to work together without issue, Uh, like Jeannie Francis and uh, Ken Schreiner, to name another GH example. Ken was
1: Jeannie's first boyfriend back in the late 1970s, and here
0: we are, like, 40-some years later, and they're still castmates and dear friends.
1: Which is great, and certainly in Wes and Laura's case, I don't get the sense that they have anything to worry about. Um, but let's get his take on that and his GH experience so far and his journey to Port Charles. Hi, Wes.
2: Hey there. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie, Mara.
1: Thank you for joining us. We're so happy to talk to you.
2: Um,
1: so first of all, tell us how you've been doing these past weeks of sheltering in place.
2: Well, uh, surprisingly well, I, I, I think. And, um, you know, uh, it's obviously a strange time for for everyone, and it's interesting to hear everyone's sort of unique tales of survival right now. Um, but uh, I feel like I've been managing uh, quite, quite well. Um, yeah, I think I've spent a lot of my uh, young adult life in sort of different phases of creative isolation, uh, many times self-imposed. So uh, I think over the years, um, I kind of learned how to live, uh, in, in, you know, with myself in a way, you know, uh, and, and sort of deal with myself in a way. And, um, but, uh, you know, that, I suppose that's what, you know, your twenties and thirties are for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if you can enjoy your own company so much, the better.
2: Exactly, exactly. And, um, and obviously, you know, um, I haven't been completely isolated, uh, either, you know, um, and uh, I have this incredible quarantine partner um, that we decided to isolate together. (laughs) 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 It just kind of happened that way. And um, no, but we've, you know, we've been able to uh, keep each other's spirits up. Mm -hmm. Laura, I mean, uh, I'm talking, of course, about the one and only Miss Laura Wright.
0: We kind oh, of figured. Of
2: yeah. <laughs> and yeah.
0: Wes, I couldn't help but notice um, when I was checking out Laura's Instagram yesterday that you seem to have some really good reading material uh, in an issue of Soap Opera Digest to keep you company.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, people yeah, people have been asking me, you know, what have you been doing in quarantine? And I'm kind of like, you mean besides reading Maurice's book? <laughs> 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 and, um, you know, and then, and then and of course, I do, I, I, I am, you know... Um, Always uh, carrying around in my back pocket uh, copies of Soap Digest and ABC Soaps in Depth. And um, sometimes I'll even read uh, CBS Soaps in Depth because I'm like, hey, well, what's going on over here with everyone, too?
1: Right. Yeah. Hey, we're on board for that.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so, all right, taking it back a little bit, you were born and raised in Kentucky. So, how does a Kentuckian, such as yourself, a Kentucky youth, discover that they love the stage?
2: Oh, that's wow. Let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Um, mm. I love it. I love this in question. Utero. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that I do have, um, a, you know, strange uh, memories of, I think, being so young that some people say you're not supposed to be able to have memories of being that young. And, um, But I, I, I do have early, early memories in my life of being in the crib, you know, and, um, and of my mother, and uh, you know, when I was um, when I was about six months old, I discovered Shakespeare. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> what took you so long? I, uh, yeah, exactly. Right, I, I was it. <laughs> I um, I was fortunate to grow up in a in a beautiful little city of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and it's a, a great creative town. And uh, I remember. Back in the 90s, when I was um, growing up there, the um, one year, uh, Cincinnati, an hour away, much larger city, they uh, raised um, $5 million for their Endowment for the Arts. And that same year, Louisville uh, raised $15 million for their Endowment for the Arts. And so I knew at that time that I was sort of in this unique environment of a small city but that actually a city that really cared about um the arts and um the uh context of the arts the louisville ballet obviously actors theater of louisville and i discovered this beautiful little training program walden theater um at a young age and it was after i had done a uh, one of those uh christmas musicals that you know kids do in their school and i was given a an opportunity to uh, play the king in uh, this little play called how boots befool the king. And at, at that time uh, being on stage with my, um, you know, in, 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 in my school, I, I had never felt before, I guess the the power of performance and sort of that, I guess that was when I, I, I kind of got a uh, bit for the first time by the bug, as they say. And I remember this moment in the musical, uh, a, I'm you know, not a, not a singer per se at all, I'm just an actor. I can act like I sing, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I, um, I just remember performing and, you know, I was, I had to do this sort of campy solo musical performance and I, and they, the, the nice women working with me, the director and the musical coordinator, they were trying to encourage me to, to go farther with it and to be, you know, not be afraid of being campy or being, you know, um, comedic and over the top and uh, melodramatic, if you will. And I remember having this costume and this makeup on and in the rehearsals, how they started laughing in my rehearsal uh, if I went further and further. And so when I was able to translate that into the performance and you know, the, it was under the lights and the, the parents were there and the other students were watching, I felt that moment of everyone having everyone in the palm of my hands and, and making them all laugh at the moment and knowing how to control the, the, the laughter and the moments of the song with the blocking. And it was in that moment I sort of felt, okay, this is something that, um, is unlike anything, unlike anything I've ever felt before. And, um, and I like it and I think I'm good at it. And, uh, I was probably, uh, you know, 11 years old, maybe. Um, and at that moment, I decided I'm going to do this. I want to find a place. And that's where I discovered Walden Theater. And my mother and I talked and I enrolled in a summer training program. Um, and that summer changed my life. Uh, and I remember I was about you know, 12 uh, when I started taking it very seriously and said, this is all I'm going to do. Uh, if, if I have it my way, this is all I'll do you know, for the rest of my life. And, uh, obviously not every 12 year old has that sort of epiphany, Mm -hmm. but creatively I I knew it was, um, it was what, it it was what I needed. So I I quit playing soccer. I quit running track. I quit uh, playing tennis and I focused on acting and, uh, the history of theater and playwriting classes on the weekends and rehearsals in the evening and movement class and all of it. And I started doing that at such a young age went through the training program there for about seven years doing that. And we would do, um, uh, Shakespeare play once a year. Uh, we would study a lot of Shakespeare. We would always do four or five full scale productions a year. And I was writing material and, um, we would have a young playwrights festival of our own. We would do, and we had some of our work published at a very young age. I had became a quote unquote, a a published author. And, um, yeah and uh and and that sort of I guess made me realize that um anything was possible and the more I discovered the magic of language and uh, and Shakespeare and how much I loved the the um, the feeling of challenging myself uh, on stage by losing myself inside of a character creating someone other than me uh, i um, I became completely um, you know, um captivated and uh, you know, uh addicted to it, if you will. I mean, it became all consuming for me and it was all I wanted to do. So it made sense then that I would continue on and find a a training conservatory um after high school to continue taking my um you know, the makings of my career uh to a more serious level of uh discipline and dedication and you know and I and I followed suit and mm-hmm. uh and ended up in New York um at 18, uh studying theater at Juilliard for four years. And that was an incredible experience um because Louisville was already the place that had taught me it was what I wanted to do. Um New York City and Juilliard showed me uh um what it was gonna take uh and ha- how to do what I wanted to do. And to um, you know, that you um you can't just go lose yourself in a character because you're trying to escape yourself. You know, you have to learn who you are. You have to understand who you are because you always have to come back to yourself. You have to start with yourself and you have to come back. To yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and there's a lot of discipline and, and focus. And the work ethic was instilled there um, and a, and a deep appreciation for uh, the history and uh, lineage of the performing arts. So I, I felt humbled and honored to be able to transition from my hometown into such a, prestigious training program. And, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, uh, the dreams became very uh, solidified at that point, you know, for me. And I I thought I'll I'll never, I'll never look back.
1: Right. Well, what was it like moving to New York and living there? Was it a culture shock for you?
2: Oh, sure. I I was just a sheltered little boy from Kentucky who, you know, didn't know, um, you know, didn't know really much about anything when it came to, um, uh big city living. I think my you know, they had us sheltered there at, at Lincoln Center uh and I was living in the dorms. And you know, you're talking about a schedule that's something uh like nine AM uh to you know ten or eleven PM uh Monday through Friday and five hours of rehearsal on a Saturday. And so there's not much time to have a life outside of um the building or outside of um, Lincoln Center and I remembered uh, the entire first year of the program when I was living there that I was, you know, afraid to leave Lincoln Center and I could figure out how to make it a couple blocks to Central Park and a little bit around the neighborhood and stuff. But as far as getting on the subway and uh, going down to Greenwich Village, I I thought if I didn't have, you know, at least a few friends or if I wasn't with a group of people, I'd probably never make it back. (laughs) (laughs) So so that was year one. I was uh, very, uh, you know, very much a coming of age experience for me. And then of course, by the time the second and third year roll around, you believe you're, you know, the prince of the city and you own New York and, you know, you know, all the spots. And by the time you're graduating, you're, you know, you're, um, you're a real veteran of the, of the New York city winters and of the transit system. And you know, all the shortcuts in the streets and, you know, how to talk to people and, you know, get away with whatever you need to and find whatever you need to. And, you know, I became a, a real um, explorer. And I think it's, I look back now and think those are some of the most um, magical years of my life. Uh, you know, I hear people say every, you know, every artist at some point should, should live in New York City. And uh, you know, the, the idea of being able to be there when you're young and have the city be uh, such an inspirational influence on who you are as an artist and, and as a young man, to me, was invaluable. I, I, I still believe uh, a lot of who I am today and what I do today uh, comes from um, the young man I became when I was in New York. I would say I was you know, born and raised in Louisville, but I, I grew up in New York City. You know? and, and, then I, and then I chose to uh, live and uh, pursue my dreams and my career in, uh, in California.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Better Health. We are in challenging times right now, and it's harder than ever to connect with the right therapist. Fortunately, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping trauma and family conflicts. They work with 3000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states to connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions without having to leave your house, which is incredibly important right now. If you're not happy, you can change and ask to request a new counselor at any time. There's no delay and there's no charge for doing so, and anything you share is confidential. BetterHelp is a lot more affordable than traditional face-to-face counseling, but just as effective. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhealth.com dishing. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhealth, H-E-L-P.com slash dishing.
0: So there was like no time whatsoever between your graduation and you starting uh, out your daytime career. You were snapped up to play Sam Spencer on Guiding Light, I think even before you had, had actually graduated. So tell us your, your casting story of how you came to be Guiding Light's Sam.
2: Oh, well, this was, you know, it's, this was actually um, almost, uh, it was almost three months to the day uh, after graduation that I landed my first job and it was on uh guiding light and uh paul Rausch was the executive producer rob the was the casting director and um both of them who will always have a special place in my heart i uh remember it like it was yesterday i remember the anxiety that summer of feeling like um you know the reality setting in of everyone in my graduating class from school had already began booking jobs and they were already starting to work and you know they were doing a play here, doing a guest spot there, or, you know, and um, they were all you know hustling their way into into work. And I think I felt like I was the last person in my class to get a job. And um, the flip side of that, of course, was that I was the first person to get a job in the class that um, that actually had had longevity to it. It was it was mm-hmm. something that was sustainable and that. I could continue to do. It wasn't going to be a, a short run of a little off-off-Broadway play. or, um, And uh, and so that was amazing. I felt like I'd sort of, uh, I may have been the last to, to become employed, but I felt like I was the first to get uh, a job that um, was really going to be transformative for me. It allowed me to learn about the camera and um, to take everything I loved about uh, the theater and a proscenium stage, you know, and apply that to the the three to four camera setup that we have in the daytime world, which is, um, you know, so, so much the the feeling of doing a play on um, the proscenium. the 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 art of daytime storytelling, I think, reminds uh, all, all of us actors that have ever spent any time in the theater of what it feels like to be on stage and to be um, almost. Shooting a, a taped rehearsal of a play that just sort of keeps evolving, um, and um, and I loved the ability to um, grow uh, with the character and learn about the medium of working with the camera, um, and from these older veteran actors in such a protected, safe environment. I, I, I didn't feel like I needed to show up and you know uh, and prove myself you know, I wanted to do a good job, but I also was there to, you know, um, to stumble or to fall or to, you know, and, and, and be picked up. And, um, and I think that that's, um, part of what art's supposed to be. I mean, obviously I I was approaching it as professionally as I could, but I understood by watching and learning, um, from the veterans that, you know, uh, every day we go to work, it, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be about, um, striving to achieve perfection it has to be about you know what you can discover in the moment and um and that was that was a you know for the 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 sort of perfectionist in me I'm you know the son of a surgeon it was nice to be reminded that it it, that it doesn't always have to be perfect and that um, you can um, you can grow and evolve with the character and uh, with your cast um, on the Mm -hmm. show
1: um, now Sam's main family connection was to Olivia who was played by Crystal Chappelle. Um, what was working with her? Like.
2: Incredible. Crystal's an incredible woman. Uh, she was, um, she was someone who immediately took me under her wing and, uh, I've never had a sister before. I'm in the middle of three boys. So I always felt like, uh, being able to play her younger brother gave me an understanding of what it would be like to have a, a cool sibling uh, sister. And, um, and she's just an incredible woman and and a magnetic actress and, uh, someone who's smart and who had had so much experience. Uh, I believe I remember at the time she was one of the only, you know, daytime actresses around who had sort of, um, had, uh, made a big mark on, on all three of the major networks at that time, CBS and NBC and ABC, uh, on different shows. And, um, so whenever she spoke about what it is we do there, I was, you know, uh, my ears would perk up and I would absorb everything she said like a, like a sponge an eager, eager student, ready to learn. Uh, and I felt that way about a, a lot of the, um, the, the people there. Grant Alexander was, uh, took me under his wing, was very kind to me and, uh, taught me a lot about the business. And Justin D's I got to work with and just a, an incredible, um, performer and storyteller. And I loved watching these guys work. And, um, you know, um, the um, Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I remember the, you know, uh, being around some of the other um, younger actors as well. I mean, Br- Brittany Snow and, uh, um, was, I think, the first, uh, yeah, was, was the first actor I got to work with on the show. And she's just, um, you know, she was just so professional and so young. And it reminded me of, uh, you know, how obsessed I was with uh, um, with it when I was younger, that age, as a teenager. But I thought, here she is already out in the real world professionally doing it, you know, collecting a paycheck and building a career. And, um, you know, I suppose that was the other good thing, too, when you're a starving artist coming out of theater school and you're young, being able to find a job that allows you to actually uh, save some money um, is just such a gift at a, at a young age to be able to create a, a cushion for yourself, for those lean times that inevitably are ahead for, for every young artist. Um, that was a, that was a gift as well.
0: well. We actually just podcasted recently with Jordi Villasuso, who you worked with because he was Sam's rival for Mara's affections. Like, yeah. like Tony, <laughs> That's right. uh, What are your standout memories of working with Jordi and also with Laura Bell Bundy who played Mara? Uh,
2: Yes, I mean, both, um, I, I think, yes, younger than I am, but not by much. And they were, um, uh, I have such fond and fun memories of working with both of them. Uh, Laura, Laura Bundy and I, both being from Kentucky, she's from an even smaller town, Lexington, just an hour away from uh, Louisville. And, um, you know, we would talk about what it was like uh, to be in New York, being young, coming from our hometowns. And, um, and Jordy, just you know, young, strikingly handsome, and so eager to, to, to learn. And uh, as an actor, I mean, it was one of those situations where he he didn't have um, the formal training per se, uh, but was um, incredibly dedicated and disciplined to uh, learning on the fly, um, absorbing, taking classes, and learning from everyone around him. And I I always um, admired that about him. You know, uh, we had a lot of fun. There were a lot of fun memories that I have of traveling with them, doing fan events with them, raising money for charity with them, and, uh, and actually um, really showing up and delivering the goods uh, on set. Uh, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that the um, older veteran actors knew that we, were, you know, that we were playing for Keeps, too, and that we deserved to be there. And I remember feeling like we, you know, not that we had a chip on our shoulders, but that we were young and we were professional and we wanted to earn our place there and, and you know, um, make sure they knew that, that we weren't, uh, you know, taking it for granted. Mm hmm.
1: Um, so it was also a guiding light that you first crossed paths with a certain someone named Laura Wright, who <laughs> is now your GH co-star as Carly, but more importantly, your real life love of three years. Um, so, what do you remember about Laura from back in the day?
2: Oh my gosh, uh, I remember um, I remember being completely smitten and having to completely, you know, keep it uh, hidden and secret because, you know, it's not I'm, look, the first time I ever saw Laura Wright, she was uh, pregnant with her second child. And I was in awe of her beauty, in awe of her ability to uh, show up to work, be so good, um, and so beautiful, and so pregnant in New York <laughs> City, and then and then swoop into work and then leave and have this other life as, you know, as, as a wife and as a mother and 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 i and i was um sort of felt like um you know an underachiever because i thought if these women uh crystal as well i remember when crystal was was pregnant with um her first son and um and i just remember thinking what 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 don't you women do you're you're super superheroes you know they mm-hmm. were to me and uh and they still are i mean it's it's amazing i and i felt um you know laura was um someone who would ask anyone around to run lines and sometimes I was uh the person that was in the hall and she would grab me and say here you know uh run this with me and we would sit down in the green room or whatever and I and I just remember running lines with her to see if she was off book because that's how she liked to prepare and um and I would be holding her script and listening to her and I felt like I had this um permission to kind of stare at her. <laughs> but I didn't want her to catch me staring at her for too long. So I would look back down at her pages to see if she the lines or not. But um, I remember that very, very specifically. And um, you know, and I remember us, uh, you know, um, and I just remember being in all of her work. I mean, look, we had these monitors in our dressing rooms. And so when you're in your dressing room, you could watch people working up on set and I could watch her work then. And obviously not, and stare at her and not worry about whether she was seeing me or not or (laughs) catching me or if anyone else was. And I, and of course, you know, that's the thing, not to sound like some weird creeper, but I did that a lot in my dressing with a lot of people. Um, and still do to this day at, at GH, I love to watch the, the magic happening. I love to watch the way people work. I love to watch them perform in the moment, you know, and I know if you're standing around on set and, you know, and, um, you, you know, you, you don't want to be there up in people's business, throwing them off or making them nervous or whatever. But when you're, you know, when you're alone in the dressing, room, you can watch them and you know study their uh, their choices. You can watch how they handle uh, making a mistake uh, and recovering or finding their way through something. Um, and you can also just simply you know be a young man in new york who's in awe at the the beauty of Laura Wright on the monitor and just stare at her <laughs> which is sort of what I got away with back then um she she of course when we first started dating was you know like oh whatever and didn't kind of believe that that was something that I had experienced and gone through but she understands now it was a real part of my of uh, of my memories at that time so it's also part of why when we ran into each other you know uh 12 years later um that uh i was i was so forthcoming with um you know pursuing uh being able to take her out and um you know and have some memories as grown adults away from that that time and who are we now and what would it be like to have a conversation now or go have dinner now Um, you know, having not ever really had those experiences ever back then, um, but I always wished I could, and that's a very and that's the truth of my journey with her. I always you know wished I could have gotten to know her better and wished I could have spent more time with her and was you know sort of thought whoever was around her was really lucky because I mean wow, what a you know force of nature, and uh, she's always been that way, and so I feel fortunate, lucky, blessed, you know grateful that now i that dreams come true. And I, and I get to not only spend time with her, I get to build a life with her, which is incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty neat. I would say good things happen to those who wait.
2: Exactly. Right. And well, and we often talk about how um, we each needed to go out and live our lives because, well, she was clearly already well in her way with, with living hers. And, you know, it, 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 evolved and had to, you know, she had to become, who she needed to become. And I had to do the same thing, who I was back then and I'm a very different person now. And we often talk about how, um, the, you know, the gift is that we had the time in our lives to go and, you know, grow up and, um, you know, the, the relationship, she's, you know, got an incredible family. I mean, her kids are absolutely amazing and she's done a great job with them. And, um, I, um, you know, I had to go out and, you know, uh, I I don't know what you want to say, sow your wild oats, you know, uh, I had to, you know, make my mistakes and take my risks and be young and wild and crazy. And, uh, and I did that. And I did that for a long time in my life, uh, and in in lots of different ways. And, you know, um, those are the things that taught me um, uh, who I am today taught me about what I wanted, uh, the life I wanted. And so, you know, Laura, and I, it's not like we, you know, um, became this sort of you know, finished product, and then ran into each other. We actually um, uh, ran into each other at a time when we both were able to continue um, growing and learning and healing in a way um, together. And and that's part of I think where the strong bond of of friendship and foundation we found. Uh, you know, it's it's the timing of that. We we're we're always working on our on ourselves individually and together. We're working to try and be. Uh, our our best versions of ourselves as, as, as a a man and woman and, um, and also as artists as uh, you know, spiritual beings, uh, as uh, creative beings, as storytellers, as uh, um, people that want to um, uh, challenge and be challenged by the world around them and find uh, the inspiration. And uh, so we're, we're, we're constantly trying to, educate ourselves and evolve because we feel like that's um that's what keeps us um almost magnetically um interested in our journey you know in mm-hmm. life and uh you know we're we're, we're we're all works in progress you know um i, I think a finished product is kind of a, um um li- maybe a little more boring if you think about it <laughs> <No. I'm trying. laughs> you know? yeah yeah
0: um so uh I want to skip ahead to your return to, uh, to daytime, which Mm. was, uh, after you'd had like a very cool, uh, run Mm. on charmed and done some other projects. And then you joined days of our lives as Owen Kent, uh, who was, uh, an informant for the Demeras and obsessed with Stephanie Johnson played by Shelley Hennig. So tell us about your time in Salem.
2: I loved that time. Uh, that was, um, that was um a time that was i guess that was the beginning of 2009 and um you know there was a situation where um some um some contracts had come up and i uh felt it would be a great time to you know uh return to daytime and uh swing for the fences as they say and i you know wanted uh to be a part of that and i remember Uh, screen testing and um, I had a lot of really long hair at the time and Mm -hmm. uh, I had been booking a lot of jobs with that hair and I remember they wanted me to cut all my hair off for the screen test and I remembered not feeling comfortable with wanting to commit to that because I you know I didn't have any job and any guarantee at all and um, so Mm -hmm. I I, I didn't and um, I don't think that you know one way or another but. you know, it was a make or break scenario. I just remember, um, thinking that the, the look I had at the time maybe wasn't, uh, as appropriate for the daytime genre. Uh, and, um, and Eric, uh, Eric Martoff and, uh, Galen Gehring came in and grabbed those contracts. And I love those guys. They're fantastic actors. And they've been working on that show with those contracts ever since. Um, after that, they were kind enough to invite me in without any more auditioning because I think they wanted to work with me and were trying to find the the appropriate fit. And so we agreed to, um, you know, a recurring situation with this storyline and I had so much fun doing it and being back in that, um, in that world. And, um, I love, I love those guys days of our lives. Great people. Uh, Ken Corday, um, you know, Albert Alara, I remember uh, working with him as a director. He's now executive producer over there. And they were um, just, you know, bending over backwards to find a way to make it all work with me. And, um, and I thought, you know, we'd find a way to continue um, with the character and the storyline. And we were looking for a way to turn it into something more. And I think it was once we got going, it was sort of um, had already been set in stone and, you know, a little too little too late, even though we all kind of tried to, Make some maneuvers happen to see whether or not there was talk of you know. I mean, it's daytime. You know, we we were looking into the idea of having a, you know, Owens' twin brother, uh, you know, come in and then I, I could stick yeah. around and
1: then you would have cut your hair. Yeah, of course, I would have
2: done anything. I mean, once you're in there and you're working and you've you've got it going on, um, but you know what I mean. You have um, a lot of people at the time. You know, you've got uh, the executive producers with one idea and one vision for how things are going to go. You have the head writer. Who has already uh, have things? They've already have things um, set, and so you know. I understand it's a you know it's a machine, and I'm a cog in the machine. And when things are moving along smoothly, you don't want to be a wrench in the gears of what's happening. So um, the story came and, and went, and we weren't able to expand upon it, but um, it did leave me with the feeling of knowing that I would have liked to have continued on. And even though it didn't work out at that time, I never forgot that feeling. Um, after having chosen to leave um, Guiding Light in the beginning with an ambitious uh, heart and, and, an, and an ambitious mind as a young man wanting to know what else was out there, you know, all those years later, um, Days of Our Lives was the moment that I realized um, if I had an opportunity again in my life to commit full term to a great opportunity in the medium of of daytime TV that I would pursue it. Wondering what would have happened if I had been able to stay on longer at days, wondering what would have happened if I had not walked away from Guiding Light in the beginning. You know, wondering how good could I be at this if I go all the way with it, you know, and and give the amount of time and focus and dedication that it takes, quite frankly. Uh, And, um, you know... uh, with no other distractions, um, to see what that would be like. And, you know, here I am 20 years later and wondering, you know, back in the guiding light days, what it would be like to be in a, you know, the position of, um, a Grant Alexander, or, uh, you know, uh, Robert Newman or, or Laura Wright or Crystal Chappelle, these veteran actors that were in the leading, um, position being thrown a lot of material and shooting a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of material with, with their characters and, and shooting quite often, you know, and that was something I had not yet experienced, but I watched them do it. And I wanted to know what that challenge would be like. And I wanted to know how, um, how strong, you know, my game would, would, uh, would, um, you know, um, uh, would add up in, 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 that. And so, um, when, when general hospital contacted me, the, obviously, the, the, the timing, I had never forgotten that that I had wanted to go back. And um, and I felt always it would be the right time if, if, if it came along. And, um, and it was uh, a situation where, you know, the producers were asking if I wanted to come in and read for um, a new character they were developing. And at the time, it seemed like it was going to be uh, a recurring situation. And I thought, all right, well, We'll see what happens, you know, but it would be fun because, um, obviously, uh, I, Laura and I had been, uh, seeing each other at that point for about, let's see, um, four, four or five months we had been seeing each other. And, um, and, you know, and so we had talked about it and, um, and so, you know, she, she of course was of the mind that, um. That if i were going to make a return to daytime that she thought it should be with abc and she wanted me to to consider general hospital and it was a show i had never worked on and i had um auditioned for mark dashner before and i had wanted to work on general hospital before in the past and so um when the opportunity came along i thought well let's you know let's see where this goes and in the process of auditioning and the producer session we learned that um the role was being, um, expanded upon. and was going to be a lot, a lot larger, uh, character than initially thought of. And it was going to require, um, you know, network approval and screen tests and all of that. And, um, so it sort of, you know, um, evolved in real time as we were all kind of going through it. I didn't know if it was going to, you know, um, start out small and grow, or if it was going to you know, come and swing and, you know, big and, you know, see what happens from there. And that's ended up, that ended up being the case. Obviously I didn't, I didn't know much about the character when I auditioned all that stuff is kept under wraps. And, um, especially when it's uh, a character with you know secret family lineage to the show and, um, as, uh, Peter has. And, um, but I loved the experience. I loved being able to, um, you know, um, to not have anything handed to me, but to come in and have to compete as I had for the last, you know, 15 years professionally and to need to go up against, you know, some of the best and, uh, show what you have to offer and find a way to make it your own and, uh, deliver the goods and execute and, you know, may the best man win. And, um, on that day I had had a a hell of, um, uh, a, a scene partner with me preparing for my, my audition when, Laura was now in my life and running lines with me and helping me understand, you know, um, how to get out of my own way and how to bring out my best work, um, you know, uh, and, and, and we worked hard on, on that, on those scenes before I screen tested. And I got to work with Roger Howarth and with uh, and with Finola Hughes uh, for the first time in my life for those screen tests. And um, it was it was great. I actually believe it was one of the best auditions of my life. And, um, I was glad I delivered on the day when it, I felt like it mattered the most. to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Dishing with digest is proudly sponsored by every plate America's best value meal kit delivery service, which shops plans and delivers. So all you have to do is cook and eat. I've stopped getting caught out missing ingredients that I need. Everything comes pre-measured in well-labeled meal kits. So you know, which ingredients go with which recipe. It's so good getting delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every week for way less than you would spend on takeout or delivery and it's much healthier. You pick your dishes and can skip weeks and cancel any time so it's really flexible. It's reduced the stress of meal planning and shopping and I'm eating so much better. There's a wide variety of recipes and I save so much time as meals come together in around 30 minutes which is less stressful and way less time consuming than going to the grocery store. My favorite is the caramelized onion burger, and the simple recipes are outlined with step-by-step instruction cards, and you can feel confident even when you're cooking something you've never cooked before. The meals taste great, and I'm loving all the money I'm saving. Even at regular pricing, every plate is up to 58% cheaper than other major meal kits out there. Even at regular pricing, every plate is up to 58% cheaper than other major meal kits out there. I was initially skeptical that a meal kit service would be expensive, but now I know for sure that you can get great food at a great price. One meal is the same price as a cup of coffee. To learn more, sign up, visit everyplate.com. So now you get the role and you kind of obviously have been thinking about sort of how you would approach a daytime role again if you return to daytime. Do you feel like... Having thought about that and considered that through the years, you did approach this job differently?
2: I did. Uh I I knew I knew where I was in my life, in my career. I knew what I had been through and what I still wanted to believe was ahead of me. And I knew a lot was at stake, you know. Um you know, I, I I wanted I mean you know, Laura Laura is so she's amazing and adorable and cute and you know, she's powerful when it comes to, you know, um, her philosophies on speaking what you want and bringing it uh, to fruition in your reality. And, And she had, she had already had conversations with me about, you know, what it would be like to work together, what it would be like to carpool to work together, what it would be like to, and she said, don't be afraid of speaking that into reality. You know, let's go ahead and envision that for ourselves, that we can make that happen. You know, and um and she's you know, she she does a lot of work and reads a lot of books and paying attention to the power of positive thinking, and, you know, and, and how you can overcome obstacles in your life. And, you know, it was one of the shining examples of when we were able to take some of that and apply it to our life and um, and find a way to, you know, transcend maybe the um, the uh, struggles of the past, be it. Um, Nerves, or uh, perhaps uh, some tough close calls, or some rejections on some really big uh, opportunities that would have changed one's life, and to believe that we're not defined by those things that have happened in our past, but that we can create our own future, and that that's where you make your dreams come true. And, you know, those are strong words, but when you've spent your entire life, you know, I was um, at the time coming up on my 40th birthday, and, you know, I'd, I'd been really. Uh, Dedicating my life's work my energy to this pursuit of my career as a storyteller and as an actor since I was just a little boy and there had been a you know a lot of ups and a lot of downs and a lot of bumps along the way and it was a time when I wanted to you know redefine my vision for what I believed was possible and she helped me understand uh, what it would take to do that and um, you know so you know, when you want to have a good day and it matters the most in a big audition, you want to walk away feeling like no matter what happens, you left it all out there. You did everything you could to secure that opportunity for yourself when preparation and opportunity, you know, finally can can, uh, coincide in a moment. And um, of course, they still made me wait weeks before they uh, told me the news and I was you know, (laughs) completely losing my mind and trying to celebrate my 40th birthday. And Doing all of that while wondering if you know I was going to have this um, this new reality of carpooling and sharing uh, this incredible journey in, in Port Charles this, you know in, in this world together at prospect studios and and then it, and then it happened and it happened perfectly, and it still feels like a, you know almost like a, the storybook version of you know if you look back and think if your your life is a movie the movie of your life it, it really did feel overwhelmingly. Larger than life at that time. So, of all the um, of all the moments in my career and all the, the the incredible things I feel like I've achieved, I do hold that moment in, in the highest regard, and I think it's one of the my favorite moments that I've ever um, experienced because it gave me something that I had spent my whole professional life thinking about in the back of my mind and wondering about, and then knowing that I was going to be given. Uh, this really special opportunity 20 years later with quite frankly, you know, substantially fewer shows on the air than when I began, uh, at, around the time of the millennium. Um, so fewer opportunities in the realm of daytime to even have a chance at that, you know, when the shows were going off the air over the years, I thought, well, wow, they were disappearing. and I thought, I don't I don't envision it being even realistically a possibility that I'll ever know what it was like to have that kind of a crack at daytime again. I don't know, you know, I'm thinking a lot of those opportunities were going to be um, taken up by uh, all the veteran actors from the other shows and stuff. And I thought, no, I never made that kind of a mark in that medium. and, and So um, I probably, you know, it's probably even more of an uphill battle based on that. And that was me sort of talking myself out of it sticking to movies in prime time. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, um, it's a whole different kind of, um, animal. And, uh, one I had, you know, spent many years fighting, um, to, to, to find my place and make a mark in. And, um, so for me at this point now, I've, I've been on GH now, uh, longer than any job I've ever had in my life. And, uh, as long as if I had, um, you know uh when they were offering me guiding light um contracts to commit and 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 right out of school um what that would be like i I now have that in the in the sense because i'm in my my third my third year and they usually offer those those contracts around three-year contracts and things like that and um so it feels like i've been able to um you know answer those questions that were always in the back of my mind of what it would feel like um could i do it um how good could I be at it if I got the chance to do it, and um, and how fun that would be, and so to do it all and share it with the woman I love has been, you know, the gift that I never could have imagined uh, in the last twenty years. Being able to have all that come together the way it did—it's been very, very special for me, and I'm very, very grateful for it every day.
0: Well, one thing that I ha- that I always thought was so incredible, Wes, is that you told me you. Your mom was a General Hospital fan, and you really remember vividly <laughs> like Anna and Robin scenes. And now you work so closely with uh, Anna's portrayer, Fanola Hughes. Tell us about working with
1: Fanola.
2: Yes, that's that's very true. I have um very specific memories of uh my mother's um love of General Hospital at a very specific time in her life when she really was um wrapped up in in the storyline. And um, I remember when she uh, later on in life uh, pulled away from it to spend a little more time uh, with her, her boys. But I remember uh, bonding with her at that time because of that show. And I'm so grateful for that, actually. I look back at it and think, you know, and we joke that I, you know, here I am all these years later and I gave her the uh, ultimate excuse to go back to Port Charles and to become, <laughs> you know, uh, an obsessive watcher again. And, um, and that's what those shows do. They offer us, you know, this um, incredible uh, break from the norm. And we hear that from the fans all the time. And I remember being swept away uh, watching Fanola as Anna and watching Robin, you know, watching Kimberly playing Robin and thinking to myself while watching it on the green carpet in my parents' family room in the back corner of our house. And we're talking, you know, late 80s. And I was watching a very young Kimberly playing Robin and thinking, I that's I think I'm her age. I think I'm. She's doing what you know. I could do that. I like seeing her do that. I like thinking about whether I could do that. And um, that was years before I even really began seriously. Um, well, not many years before, but I think the the interesting thing is before I ever even remember that feeling. I we started out, and I was telling you that feeling of being bit by the bug. I, I remember even before that, at an even younger age watching kimberly playing robin and thinking i'm her age how is it that she's doing that and that looks fun i could do that what would that be like for me to do and um knowing that that might have actually been the very first thought or inception i ever even had about uh, what it was to be an actor Um, i mean i had to have been you know uh, less than 10 years old um, at that time um 87. Yeah, no, maybe 10 years old, 87. Yeah, probably around 87, 88, 10 or 11. So maybe it was around the same time as I was feeling, you know, those two, I wish I could go back in the archives of my life and just see the crystal ball and see it unfold and think, were those two overlapping at that time? Because it would make sense. Um, It would make sense for me. Mm -hmm. But I, Mm -hmm. I love being able to, um, you know, I'm someone who believes a lot in signs and I, and I, and I take I take that stuff to heart and I love being able to go into work and uh, remind myself each and every time, each and every time that I'm running lines with Fanola, that the depth that I hold, um, you know, the depth of seriousness that I hold when I hold the high regard, I, I take, you know, uh, what's the right way to put it? I basically don't, um, look, I love working with Fanola. She'd be, she would probably, uh, you know, laugh at me being so dramatic about it, but I, <laughs> I do I do take it to heart that um, that I remember those memories and that I believe they happened to me for a reason. And if, if you want to say that's why and how part of the you know uh, the journey of my life, how I was meant to end up where I am, you know, you can you know believe in coincidence or or, or, or you can draw your own conclusions. But I, I like to think that you know that those that those memories for me are there for a reason um, and. Uh, and so I, I, I've, um, I've enjoyed reminding myself of that, I guess was what I'm saying, throughout the process of learning uh, from Fanola and working with Fanola and being able to, I believe, challenge each other together to elevate our game with our story um, and bring the best work uh, to the table that we possibly can. Um, she's an exceptional actor, and, um, mm-hmm. and I love, love working with her. So, of course, I have no idea where it's all going to go, but I love where it's already been, and I love what we've been able to do together. uh, Yeah, and I look forward to more every day, especially Mm -hmm. now, more than ever. (laughs) I bet, right.
1: Um, Now, introducing Peter through Anna's story was a bit controversial. The fans have been kind of, you know, vocal about how it changed her backstory. Oh, yeah. Is that something, like, dispiriting to you at all, or do you just sort of tune it out and just do the work, because that's... Well of course do. it
2: well first and foremost it's it's my job to do the work. I I'm, I I'm not you know I'm um I you know um I I love hearing about you know people's you know passionate thoughts about you know the 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 characters and um their uh their love of certain characters uh history and I of course you know can um if I, can, I can relate to the idea that they don't understand how something can be taken and turned on its head. But my job as an actor is, uh, you know, is to not uh, deliberate or debate those, those points. I, I'm there to uh, be a, a conduit for the writers and the producers and the directors to keep things um, active and compelling and um, entertaining, in the world of Poor Charles. And I use the character of Peter August to do that. Now, you know, everything else, uh, that they throw at me, we, we get to sort of take and find a way to, um, you know, uh, justify the unjustifiable, you know, um, uh, Laura loves to talk about how you, you know, are, you know, it doesn't matter whether you like a story, whether you uh, like a character's choice, whether you like a character, it's your job to find a way to sell it, you know? And, you know, if, if, when we judge our characters too much, I think we're forgetting the purpose of why we're there to begin with. And and we're missing out on the opportunities there. So for me, I, I don't, um, you know, I certainly don't enjoy upsetting fans. I don't in, enjoy um, messing with characters, uh, you know, the, the lineage of, of Faison and Anna and um robert scorpio and but i do i do think that um because peter is cesar Faison's son and cesar Faison's history in port charles on gh is is so volatile and something that is um uh been the catalyst for so much great story for so many years I look at that and think, you know, if, if a torch is passed, how can we bring uh, a modern version of that into the fray? You know, maybe it's, maybe not so on the nose, maybe it's not so directly good versus evil. Maybe, you know, maybe it's more complicated because I think in life, that's a, a lot of how we deal with the human connect uh, condition, you know? Um, and I love that the writers are giving uh, my character opportunities to explore that. And, um, and then what that creates for, uh, for those around, uh, the character for, for Maxie or for Anna. Um, and, um, you know, it's fun for me. I, I don't think, um, you know, I, I, you know, if look, if, if, uh, Peter's sole purpose was to uh, show up in Port Charles and make everybody happy and, uh, love everybody with, you know, innocence and, um, you know, sit around in Metro Court and gossip about what's going on in the town. And, and that's really, that's all it was. I, I'm not sure we'd have, uh, I'm not sure we'd have a show. And right. I'm not sure we'd have the show that we all love so much. So I love, uh, I love GH so much. And I love my character so much that I'm willing to do absolutely anything they give me in order to keep things um, invigorated and, uh, and passionately, um, adventurous in terms of the choices, the character, the direction, the energy, um, so that the reality of what we're doing helps us keep the show, um, entertaining, uh, keeps, uh, the fans and the people watching uh, on the edge of their seats. Um, I like keeping it unpredictable and I like keeping it, um, complicated, because I think that's a good soap, you know, and that's the world we live in. We're looking for things that aren't so obvious, and aren't the same as what we have in our day to day life. And so I love that they're giving me the opportunity as an actor, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, with my character to, to see how far we can go in those directions. And I think, quite frankly, that, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, um, there's a lot of unfinished business, and there's also a lot of um, unwritten history with the character of Peter August that we still don't fully know about uh, that goes beyond uh, the character of Jason Morgan. And, um, you know, I, and I, and I love knowing um, that th- that unknown we all get to kind of figure out together, um, you know, so who knows, who knows what the future will bring, but I do love what they're giving me. And I, and, you know, and I, and I suppose I take it as a compliment when, when the fans are, up in arms and uh you know really distraught about certain things because i think well then you know um i suppose we're 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 doing our job and the writers uh you know keeping uh, people on uh you know uh, unable to um so clearly define what is good and what is bad or who is good and who is bad or you know um what is supposed to happen versus what is versus what really is happening. It's all a testament to, I think, uh, just great writing. And, uh, and I love what they've been able to do with the story. So I hope we able to, we're able to, um, together, um, keep it going, you know, and keep it interesting. Mm
0: -hmm. So Wes, Steph and I were chatting earlier about, um, like real life daytime couples who work together and you don't really cross paths that much in storyline with Laura um, I'm curious, like would you welcome the opportunity to work with her more, or do you think it's kind of good as much as you can carpool to have a bit of separation work-wise in the building?
2: Oh, um, no, the no that we, look, Laura and I would love to work together, um, at any capacity. And you know, we and everyone knows that. Um, you know, the 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 characters, obviously, and Laura loves to remind me and everyone else that, you know, uh, Carly's not a fan of Peter August. (laughs) 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 And so, um, you know, uh, the I think there's room there for. uh, The writers to be able to give the fans uh, something that perhaps they've been, you know, craving a bit, which is, um, you know, some interaction. Uh, But I, I, I love when Laura reminds, uh, reminds us all that it, it might not necessarily be the kind of interaction that maybe the fans are looking for or hoping. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but you know, Laura's such a tour de force and she's such a brilliant actor. And I love watching her work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the few times we have interacted on set, it's been really, really exciting and fun for us. So we've always looked forward, inevitably, to knowing a time will come when the writers will give us some more to do, and how much fun we can have uh, bringing that to life uh, for the fans at home.
0: I think mm-hmm. Carly's going to have something to say about uh, the whole Drew thing if that ever comes to light.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, you're you're, <laughs> you're 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 damn right about it. She's she's certainly not not one to uh, hold back speaking her mind, and uh, <laughs> that's and why I, we
0: love her. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I think Peter August was just uh, fortunate that he was able to uh, continue uh renting uh a room at the metro court from her as long <laughs> as highly. he was able to and uh and to rent some office space from her as well mm-hmm. um in in the in the, in the building <laughs> um so obviously
1: production has halted on all for the soaps for the time being um on a yes. scale of 1 to 10 how much are you itching to get back into the studio
2: oh it, 10 12 can we say 15 we're you know we're 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 all feeling that you know um, For obvious reasons, we love our jobs. We love what we do. Um, I've been trying to find other ways to satiate uh, myself creatively. And uh, I've been watching a lot of interviews with actors to um, challenge myself, to keep myself um, actively engaged with the um, art of acting and the um, psychology behind what it is to be an actor. And I love listening to actors talk about their work and their process. It keeps me engaged when I'm not able to be on set right now um but i also know that uh you know we <clears throat> we all shoot ahead uh days of our lives more than anyone and they've got a lot in the can still uh you know maybe so far ahead they shoot that sometimes it maybe complicates things for when their show is certainly making certain choices and decisions because people are really under wraps and not allowed to say anything for such a long extended amount of time whereas we're at a point now where the other shows i know we we only have so, so much that we've shot and so long that it's possible to stretch things out with, with flashbacks. And while it's mm-hmm. fun to relive storylines with flashbacks or to go back into the vault and see some vintage uh, material from the history of the show, it's all fun for fans. You can really only do that for so long before you start to lose um, the sense of, of, of where you were headed in such a fresh way before this happened. And you want to try and pick it up um, as swiftly as possible so you can try and keep going. And I know once we have the ability to safely schedule our return and the new normal, if you will, about how that will look and what you know protocol will have to be instilled for us to all be able to do what we love to do and to continue this uh, safely, uh, that we're all chomping at the bit and we can't wait to do that so that we can get back to what we love and that's uh filling, you know, uh, the fans uh lives with the the world of Port Charles. Um and uh yeah, I hope sooner than sooner than later, obviously. Oh, well, yeah. So do we. <laughs> um, yes. uh-huh.
1: So Wes, tell us about the Daytime Cares event that is taking place tomorrow night.
2: Well, I, you know, I'm, I I do love that this is coming up, and I and I'm so glad that we have this moment to to talk together right before this happens because I just want to you know take my hat off to Laura Wright for a minute. You know, I'm so proud of her. She um, had this I, this idea and this vision after we had one of these little uh, online reunions that Alan Locker was so kind to set up, uh, basically reflecting and going back to our lives in 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 Springfield and San Cristobal for uh, for Guiding Light back in the the, the heyday and you know, that was how I I, I got my start. And um, it's been so exciting to revisit that time. But in the act of doing that and having our little broadcast, uh, you know, Laura and Alan really were were, were talking about what more could be done. And I love that Laura's vision has been for, you know, uh, the daytime community to not be seen as these, you know, um, different shows, per se, with these different casts, all sort of competing with each other for ratings and Emmys and all. But saying, look, this is, these are the shows that we have. This is what we have um, left in the world of daytime TV. These are the soaps that are still um, doing the hard work of putting all the material together and telling these stories for the fans across the board on all three networks. And how can we look back at this time collectively and say we are a community and the daytime community does care, and what can we do to make sure the fans know that all of us, um, are, are in this together and that the fans are, uh, can hear from us and know they're not alone and that we are with them and that we're going to get through this together. And what can we do for them? You know, what can we do to raise some attention to, um, some really worthy causes that are, you know, raising money for a lot of the people right now that are suffering the most and how can we help facilitate bringing attention to that? And, you know, Laura and I have always been friends with uh, Ari Zucker and Sean Christian. Uh, Sean and I actually share the same manager we have for many, many years. And um, and I first met Ari and Sean back on Days of Our Lives. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, when the Emmys roll around, we always are always uh, meeting up and hanging out and, uh, you know, love the reunion it brings. But we thought um, this time around, how can we get together when, when we don't have the Emmys right now to still... Um, Uh, step up and uh, let the fans know we're here and uh, we want to give them a a gift and what that would look like and and how that would uh, come to fruition. And when Laura uh, found out that that Sean and Ari already have uh, a a platform and an incredible uh, website that they've worked on for a long time, raising money with uh, Daytime Cares, which actually had been what Alan and Laura had initially been talking about sort of trying to create, we thought, well, there you go. There's the sign that all of this is um, meant to be, and let's just bring them in and weave this all together and and see what we can do. And we've reached out and, you know, and and when at first Laura wasn't sure if we would be able to get enough people involved now, of course, right here we are in the 11th hour. and It seems like we have a tidal wave of people lined up and, and people interested in helping to contribute and make sure that, that this really goes off and becomes something special. And so, you know, I'm, I'm so proud of her for, for doing it. And I'm, and I'm so thrilled that Ari and Sean have stepped in and that everyone is doing what they can right now to make this, um, you know, something that we'll all look back and, uh, during this time and be proud of that we were able to, um, collectively as a daytime community come together and really show that we are all in this together and that we are all one and, um, uh y&r and b&b and and days of our lives and uh and, and gh and um so we're we're you know we're really proud of that right now and we'll we'll see what happens but um you know uh it's exciting it's exciting and i'm thrilled to be able to to contribute and have have a little part in it as well
1: well we certainly look forward to seeing it and we thank you so much for your time today and for joining us and oh, sharing
2: your stories. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to participate and be a part of this. And um, thank you guys for for welcoming me and and having me uh, on today. And uh, and uh, thank you for asking me such questions that allowed me to uh, delve back into the, the the memory banks. This time uh, in isolation and quarantine, it's already lends itself in such a way to being a reflective time where I feel like everyone that is able to stay at home, they're able to think back perhaps, and maybe be a little nostalgic or reflect on where they've been and where they've come. And, you know, and, um, this today was a very special, um, uh, experience for me to be able to do some more of that. And, uh, and I thank you for that sincerely.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Thank and you, Wes. we hope to be talking to you soon again and look forward to this weekend.
2: Of course. Thank you so much. You, you guys stay safe and take care of yourselves and each other. Okay.
1: Thank Thanks. You yeah. too, All
2: right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Wes Ramsey for being our guest. If you like this podcast, we're on Spotify, so listen on Spotify. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader.